0: Support for WERU comes from the Strand Theater in Rockland, presenting Roots Blues duo, the Woods Brothers, Saturday, July 24th. Tickets and information are available at rocklandstrand.com or 594-0070. The time is 9.59 and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, and streaming online around the world at weru.org. Coming up next is Wabanaki Windows with your host, Donna Loring.
1: Welcome to Webenaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring, along with my co-host, Maria Gerard, director of the Penobscot Nation Cultural Center. Webenaki Windows is a monthly show featuring Webenaki perspectives, topics, and opinions, as well as interviews with Native artists, writers, and people of interest. Our topic of discussion today will be Henry David Thoreau, Mount Katahdin, America, and the Future we'll be talking to our special guest, Connie baxter Marlowe. I'm going to read you a little bit about her background. Uh, Connie Baxter-Marlow is a photographer, filmmaker, author, and futurist. She grew up in Maine, a descendant of governors and mayors who made uh, certain gifts to Maine with parks, libraries, and other legacies. She graduated from UC Berkeley with an honors degree in economics, And in 1968 and went on to raise three children in Aspen, Colorado. She currently lives in Sedona, Arizona with her partner Andrew Cameron Bailey, where they are co-owners of the Institute at Sedona, a forum for uplifting evolutionary ideas. They are the creators of the film In Search of the Future, What Do the Wise Ones Know?, on the Origin and Future of Humanity, and authors of an upcoming book The Trust Frequency, Ten Assumptions for a New Paradigm. Connie has produced uh, a five-part DVD series entitled The American Evolution, Voices of America, in which she weaves a unique tapestry of ideas concerning the mystical nature of the universe and its practical application to bringing humanity to realizing its potential as loving beings in, in alignment with the promises America made in its freedom documents, this DVD series features Henry David Thoreau, Mount Katahdin, Arnie Neptune, Penobscot Elder, Karyakos Markades, University of Maine Sociologist Professor. And as a matter of fact, I knew, uh, I know Karyakos. Um, uh, Connie has developed a world wo- a worldview that radically departs from the prevailing paradigm. Uh, Connie's positive uplifting approach to history, current events, and possible solutions, is both interesting and inspiring. Her book, Greatest Mountain, Katahdin's Wilderness, was republished by Tilbury House Publishers. She and Arnie Neptune have toured the state uh, with the Connie and Archie Show, uh, <laughs> sharing, sharing Arnie's loving vision from the Native perspective for the future of humanity. Connie believes That And I quote from Connie. She says, When we come together with indigenous peoples as equals, as family, and we each open our hearts and our minds to the other, the melding of our gifts will bring a new perspective that is invisible at this time. This new perspective will allow us to see the path to true unity, peace, and freedom. And I like that perspective, uh, Connie. Um, So... Thank you for joining us on on our on our show, Wabanaki Windows.
0: It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Donna.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for getting up so early. What is it, 7 o'clock out your way? Yeah, so, but I've been up for a while. I'm an early bird. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, I think what I'm going to ask you to do is I know that uh, you've done a lot of research on, uh, on Henry David Thoreau. Uh, and... Uh, I ran into you. I think it was what last week seems a couple, weeks, couple ago. weeks ago. Okay, um, and you were talking about the uh, the research and some of the uh, uh, discoveries that you've made about Henry David Thoreau. And uh, why don't you just share some of that those with us? And uh, and uh, you've been involved with a whole bunch of other things, and we'll probably get to some of those too uh, within the next hour. Or so, tell us a bit about uh, Henry David Thoreau.
0: Well. Um, Actually, the title of this this, uh, discussion is is Thoreau, the Native American, Mount Katahdin, America, and the Future. I'm kind of a a big picture seer, and I see things because I've uh, been questioning why humanity isn't living up to its potential as a loving being on Earth and walking in balance on Earth. I have gotten a lot of answers to those questions. And, and one thing it did was it sent me to the Native American and the cosmology of the Native American. My, my my life's journey has sent me there. And over the past 20 years, I've been in close association with visionary elders, many visionary elders in the United States and Mexico. And I've been creating forums for them to share their understanding of the nature of the universe, because in that indigenous cosmology, I see a trust-based paradigm. I see a bigger reality that uh, that you, your people have have built a way of life on. And I've I've been in the with the Hopi, with the Maya, with the Wabanaki, with with all these people, and that gave me an understanding of the nature of the universe that when I Read Henry David Thoreau. Well, actually, I was in at Walden Pond, and I and I saw a quote um, by Thoreau that said, "Why make such a great ado over the Greek and Roman and neglect the Indian?" And that quote led me on a on a quest into the mind and heart of Henry David Thoreau, and where I discovered that Thoreau had spent his life researching the Native American. No one knows this, that he uh, was one of the top ethnologists of his time. And his primary, he told the Academy of Sciences that his primary interest in science was the ways of the Algonquin Indians before um, contact. And what I realized in reading Thoreau was that Thoreau is, in fact, a mystic. Thoreau could see and experience a larger reality. And he, basically what I say about Thoreau is that he could see that the Native American could see what he could see. So he went looking uh, for what the Native American could see and how they implemented it in their lives. And so I've done a considerable amount of work in this regard, to to um, show how this expanded understanding of the nature of reality can lead us to a society, because Thoreau was actually a bridge. He actually was a a um, a mystic who applied his knowing to democracy, to society as we have it. And through his um, his treaties, uh, Civil Disobedience, he brought to uh, the world um, a, a set of, 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 of uh, uh, some thinking that influenced Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Tolstoy, has definitely influenced how our world has unfolded and how justice and and freedom is coming on the planet. So I've found that Thoreau is a, a key player in the evolution of consciousness, which is what is interesting to me, and, and is basically a, a driving force in my life.
1: So, Connie, um, you, you said something about Thoreau being a mystic. Now, how do you come to that uh, that conclusion? Well, he says it
0: himself. He uh, he said when he, when he responded to a, a letter. From the American Association for the Advancement of Science, when they wrote to him and asked him what his primary interest in science was, he said that he, he they wouldn't understand him because he was a mystic. He said, "The fact is, I am a mystic, a transcendentalist, and a natural philosopher to boot." So this is a this is a very well known quote on the part of Thoreau and there's a lot of controversy as to whether Thoreau was in fact a mystic. No. And and I think it's it's absolutely very evident in his writings. It just depends on how you look at things.
1: Yeah. Well, when what uh, when was that quote uh, written? Um well, in
0: 1853.
1: <clears throat> and had he finished all of his uh, trips by then to the main woods? Um
2: I, this his last
1: trip was when uh, maria you have any idea
2: i think his last trip was in um 57 he took three trips it was 1846 1853
0: and 1857 yeah so yeah he he came to maine to 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 hire indian guides to explore this this indian this indian mind this understanding of the nature of the universe and um and there's the, uh, a lot of, of uh, uh, in his writings that shows that he, and um, and Joe Polis, for example, his Indian guide, um, for whom he had enormous respect. He, um, Joe Polis, was one of his uh, three of of men in his pantheon of heroes, along with John Brown and Walt Whitman.
1: Well, I guess my only question is not- when when you say heroes um how did uh, how do you know that that those were the three that uh, he chose as his, is that did he write that someplace or? Uh,
0: Ralph Waldo Emerson stated that I believe in his um in his eulogy and and it and it was common knowledge at least um you know amongst his inner um, sanctum of friends and the last word that he spoke when uh, on in the on his Deathbed was Indian, <laughs> so um, I I believe that that in Joe Polis Thoreau saw someone who was a see he Joe Polis was a leader and came down to Washington and, and, and was very functional in um, the Western world, but he was also very functional in the forest in nature and could could operate according to his instinct, according to his, um, his inner knowing. And this is the basis of the transcendentalist, and that is that, that you have a direct connection to your higher self, to the divine, and that you can, can listen to this. And if we did listen to this, and if we built a, a, a society based on this ability to, to uh, connect with our higher conscience, that we would, in fact, have a society that is in balance.
1: Now, did did he look at the uh, the native uh, society as being closer to that uh, balance?
0: Yeah. Well, he what he was looking for. See, this was the 1850s, and by the time the 1850s had come around, the native people were very much, um, you know, integrated, influenced by the um the the european mind and he was he was looking for in all of his studies he was looking for what the indian was like before contact before they were influenced by the the western mind because he he felt that there he would find a a a true application of this this um, connection to the universe
1: the, uh, What comes to my mind, and I know you have not seen this video, is a video that uh, uh, Penobscot uh, woman Susan Evans did for her master's, and the name of the video is uh, "Is Thoreau a Hero in Indian Country?" And uh, I, I, I may not be fair in asking you some of these questions, uh, but. Uh, in that video they the uh one of the the threads that goes through the video is the fact that uh that throw refers to his indian guides as savage and the indian and uh seems to be uh sort of disrespectful in in his uh, references what what what's your thoughts on that
0: well, the word savage was, was used, it, it doesn't mean what it means today. And um, Thoreau had an enormous <clears throat> respect for the Indian, and he, he felt that it was key that the Indian not become civilized, per se. He says, he says, we talk of civilizing the Indian, but that is not the name for his improvement. If we could listen for an instant to the chant of the Indian muse, we would understand why he will not exchange his savageness for civilization you see the word savage isn't isn't meant he isn't meant then what it means today it it's it's the 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 wild man the the wildness within all of us that he's referring to so one has to henry david Thoreau was a very complex man and and I, I attend a lot of the uh, annual gatherings of the Thoreau Society, and <clears throat> people see a Thoreau that relates to their perspective, see, because, he, because he, was, um, he was poetic in his writings, for one thing, so you can interpret poet, poetic wording in many different ways, depending on your perspective. And so there are many Thoreaus, so I don't know what... Um, what Thoreau she saw, and what Thoreau she wanted to bring to the party, but my perspective on Thoreau comes from a perspective of the the indigenous cosmology, the the um, the understanding that all of life is alive, that everything has a spirit, that um, uh, everything has meaning. and when you come from from that perspective and look into Thoreau for For those uh, perspectives, you'll find enormous numbers of of, um, references to this expanded reality and to the Native American as a carrier, important carrier of, of that reality. And in fact, one of my perspectives is that the Native American carries a key piece of the understanding of the nature of the universe for humanity, for the future. And Thoreau, in fact, I, I discovered in Thoreau the very same thing, that he felt that the arrowheads that he found in Concord um, were, uh, he said, they carry a message from the hand that shot them, that they, are, they, are wing, they, they were originally, he says, it was originally winged for a short flight but still to my mind's eye, wings its way through the ages, bearing a message from the hand that shot it. Hmm. So I saw right there a resonance to what I understand about the future. Um, my, hmm. my sort of arena is the future.
1: I understand I, that, Connie. Uh, I just want to say that, uh, first of all, the uh, the show is from the Wabanaki perspective, and you know, just bringing forward some of the uh, the. You know the thoughts from our perspective, mm-hmm. and not uh, you know not being from that uh, that higher plane that you're talking about, but from our uh, probably the, the 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 pit of despair, I guess, from how we see things. Uh, Maria, you have a comment?
2: Yeah, um, I was aware uh, as well of of this perspective of Henry David Thoreau in in the tribal community from some people. Um, others probably wouldn't uh, you know, venture an opinion either way about Henry David Thoreau. And so uh, after we ran into each other a few weeks ago and uh, we chatted about all these uh, light topics of transcendentalism and Katahdin and America in the future, I decided to um, read um, some Thoreau. I'd never read The Maine Woods before. Um, I had, you know, I've I've seen quotes here and there quite extensively that have been used. I've heard people talking about it. I never read it for myself. So when I started reading it, I was reading it with that eye to see if I could be convinced that um, he was, uh, I've heard people say he was racist or prejudiced. So I was looking at it with that lens and and looking for that. And I have to say that I haven't um, been convinced of that I think that if we look at the historical perspective in which um, his writings were done, this is a, the mid-1800s, um, and if we look at where the where the Penobscots were at the time during the mid-1800s, it was pretty bleak at that time, at that point in time. There was um, severe poverty, lack of opportunities, uh, severe loss of the land base, um, all kinds of problems uh, at that point in time. And Thoreau, in his writing and in his descriptions, probably didn't describe people as favorably. And when, when, when you're talking about our ancestors, that might be kind of hard to take. Um, but painting that picture of uh, sort of gloom and doom quite a bit with the Indian people, I think that that was probably accurate at that point in time. Uh, so I, I didn't find anything uh, that I would say, uh, you know, that he he was racist. Uh, he may have had some preconceived notions. He came here looking for a particular um, Native American, which he had developed in his mind. And when he came here, and people that he met didn't fit that image. And so it was probably disappointing for him. And it wasn't until after he spent some time with his Penobscot guides, and he evolved uh, as a person and, um, you know, developed a a knowledge and understanding. And then you see later in life how he's evolved and that, uh, you know, Polis has become one of his um, heroes in life. So um, I'm not real convinced that um, he was very derogatory, uh, or prejudiced, I should say, or racist towards Native Americans, which is what I've heard several times uh, in the community. So just my two cents worth.
0: Yeah, great. Well, I'm glad that you found that out for yourself, because, because it's, it's, we've, we've just got things that we carry around that get, that get spoken mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily based on, on fact. And, and it was it's important to, to take a look at that and, and come forth.
2: It was interesting reading the book too. I was in, you know, a public setting and and keeping myself occupied on uh, on Indian Island, and a lot of people said, "Oh, Henry David Thoreau, the Maine Woods, you know, wasn't he a real racist?" Ah. <laughs> I said, "I don't know. I'm trying to find out."
0: Yeah, good for you, <laughs> Maria. Good for you. Yeah, the, but the... it is
2: odd his description and how, you know, like, throughout he refers to the Indian, the Indian. You know, I don't know that historical context. I don't know where he was coming from there. But you do see later on in his writings that he does actually start referring to him by name. So I don't uh-huh. know why that was.
1: So you know, it was probably a process of learning on his part as well. You know, he he uh, he came to uh, to actually see the manifestation of of what he saw in his mind, and it didn't fit. So from there on, he probably started to. Uh, you know, processing and taking things in, and, and uh, you know, came to a uh, maybe a different conclusion, but uh, probably a, a mind-opening conclusion as well.
0: Yeah, and heart-opening. You know, that's that's the key now is is to to open our hearts to each other and to see the the, the positive things that did happen amongst us. You know, I, I understand, you know, you're you're saying you know, the, the native perspective from the, the pit of despair. Um, you know, that's that's tough stuff. And and to, to to go forward to look to the to the to the high side of things and, and see how we all have gotten along in the past, you know, where are examples of that and how do we go forward together in our hearts for all of humanity. See, I believe that, that once we do that, once we open our hearts to each other, all of humanity, all the four colors of man come together. And now with the, with the World Wide Web and all that, we, we can communicate together on a, on, a, on a common ground and move forward together. So it's, it's really exciting times if we can forgive and heal from the, the past and move forward into a future together.
1: You're listening to WERU, Wabanaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring. Our topic today is Henry David Thoreau, Mount Katahdin, America in the Future. We are talking with Connie Baxter-Marlow, photographer, filmmaker, author, and futurist. Maria, you have anything
2: you want to say? Um, well, one thing I, I noticed, uh, like I said, I, I hadn't read Thoreau um, hardly at all, um, prior to the past couple weeks. And I think I was maybe a little Thoreau-esque in my expectations of him, uh, hearing that he's the, a transcendentalist, naturalist. Um, I, I approached his books looking to see more about uh, his spiritual lessons, so to speak, and more about that transcendentalism, which I really couldn't find. I, I thought that his he read more of like a nature journal um, am i missing something connie is there somewhere you know is there a specific piece of work that he has that really highlights his um spiritual connection where uh,
0: mm-hmm. i uh uh-huh. interesting you would ask that and and in fact it is kind not hidden but you have to read closely um to, to discover it. And one thing, on, on Mount Katahdin, he had an epiphany on Katahdin yeah. that totally changed his life. And, uh, and he basically, Brad Dean, who is in this film series that I created, mm-hmm. Brad Dean it was one of the, um, uh, what I call a visionary Thoreau scholar. Um, he basically says that on Katahdin, Thoreau saw God, that he saw through the, through the, the material into the the oneness of all things, and and this uh, this is in the, the contact passage, and it's in um, in the essay Katahdin in the Maine woods. So you might um, have, have a look at that.
2: Yeah, I I did see that, but it was more you know like I said, it really read like a nature journal. Maybe I wasn't uh, paying close enough attention to it. And the you know the the bit about his epiphany on on Katahdin, you know, was a short paragraph, and then, you know, the next paragraph he's talking about loading up the boats and getting, getting on with things. So yeah. <laughs> I guess I was a little disappointed, maybe like he was when he came looking for the spiritual <laughs> Indians and didn't exactly. find them right off. Exactly. Uh, Connie,
1: um, in, in reading a little bit about you, I, I confess I did a little research on the Internet. Um, you mention um, in one of your, your, uh, your, your articles that you also had an epiphany. you want to tell us about your epiphany?
0: Well, I'll tell you. Um yeah, uh, it was really when I was a teenager, I've had sort of a couple of them, and that is that when I was a, a teenager in Maine, I grew up in Maine, and, and my ancestors there had had given Mount Katahdin to the people of Maine. My great-great-grandfather had done a, a tremendous amount in, in Portland, uh, giving libraries and doing all kinds of things, so my, I came from an ancestry of people who gave their money away, and and public service was their, their uh, way of life. And they walked to the beat of a different drum. And, and I, I had that sort of understanding, and, and I w- was wondering why humanity wasn't living up to their human potential. Um, but that actually came through, and that came through this, this epiphany that I had when I heard about Florence Nightingale that all oh, the extraordinary things she did, that, that I just got it right then, that we are not living up to what's in our hearts and what we're capable of. And so that sent me on a, on a quest throughout my life to find out what were the missing pieces of the paradigm, what were, what were our assumptions about the nature of the universe that led us to uh, this way of treating the earth, ourselves, our children, and, and so I went looking all over the world, basically. I took up with an Austrian, and then I went to Europe looking for it, and all I found was more of the Western way of thinking. And then I was in Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico, and I, and I came upon a book that, that, that expressed the native way of seeing and native way of understanding the universe. And then I got it. I just got it, that, that the native people... We're carrying key information about the nature of the universe for humanity, and that the next step in the evolution of consciousness of humanity would be that we would come to understand what the native people know, and and then so that was my sort of my second epiphany, and and that helped me understand my ancestors, who um, weren't hoarding money, who were who were giving it away and 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 championing the earth and the animals and and women in office you know so um it just has been a series of um sort of understandings that have come to me and i feel like that my life has has been um sort of an, an ongoing um unfolding of discovery about the nature of the universe and and my partner and i've written a book called the the uh, well actually, we've written two books, one's called "The Conscious Loving Universe," and the other one is called the trust frequency and and this association with with elders native elders and uh, and this expanded understanding we've we've put together this this understanding and that Brings the concept of trust, of trusting our own hearts, trusting a loving universe, trusting a conscious loving universe, which I feel is at the basis of, of native thought. What 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 do you think about that?
1: Well, I'll I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, you, you know, you you talk about and, and again, this this show is from the uh, Webenaki perspective, and uh, and you talk about the generosity of your relatives. Um, uh, for You know, the, the gift from uh, Percival Baxter um, in, the, in the land he put into trust, and in Katahdin was uh, part of that land. Uh, Katahdin being uh, the Wabanaki's sacred mountain. I often wonder if he was so giving and so uh, thoughtful why he didn't give uh, Katahdin the land, the mountain, back to the tribes. Uh, now, let me finish and uh why is uh nary a word mentioned about access to that sacred area in any of his uh his documents or uh you know and, and there's lots of rules and regulations on that uh, on that mountain and uh, uh of course uh they of all people for religious purposes uh deserve access to worship at that mountain um and, uh, and finally, I, I will say that, uh, you know, our, our resources, of course, uh, were taken, you know, our knowledge of plants and, and healing and our ceremonies were taken. Uh, and, and basically, a lot of this has been sort of like regurgitated back to the general public, uh, masks as, as some sort of a benevolent gift to the public in general. Um, and and, uh, and we're, not, uh, we're not acknowledged for any of this stuff. So, uh, from what your perspective of uh, the generosity of your ancestors, uh, from my perspective, we're we're still not seeing that generosity, and we're not being recognized or benefiting from that generosity.
0: Uh-huh. Well, uh huh. Well, as far as um, Percy Baxter was concerned, he, I don't think he knew anything about the native connection. You know, the sacred nature of the mountain or anything. He was. Um, I feel, you know, within the context of his life, he became inspired. This, this, this concept of, of, of getting information from a, from a higher place. And, and that said, preserve this mountain for the future of all people. And, and he said about his life, he tried to get the state of Maine to do that. And when he was governor and they wouldn't do it, they called him all sorts of names, a socialist and all this stuff. And, um, when he stopped being governor, he he took the family fortune that he'd inherited from his father, and, and spent 30 years acquiring these 200,000 acres. It wasn't that the family owned it or anything; that he he um, he acquired it in order to give it back to the people of Maine, uh, all people, and um, and subsequently in the in the in the 90s. Um, I was part of the process whereby the the Wabanaki uh, acquired the rights to come into the park and not have to be subject to the the rules and regulations um, that have been imposed on uh, on the park just in order to to keep it in balance with um, what I call the rhythms of creation you know there's there's no um, electricity in there and um, there's um, only dirt roads and and all that so it's um it's uh so that anyway the, the the rules and regulations had to be in place for for that to for that balance to, to stay in place in the modern era but meanwhile the, the wabanaki do have the have the right to go there and worship which was a it was a great um a, a great breakthrough agreement that that we all came to back in the 90s i don't know if you were a part of that you probably were but um anyway um, and and then and then the the other thing, as far as 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 the native people being recognized for their their contributions and, and their knowledge, um, you know, I think it's it's that's the work that I do is is to to have the, the mainstream understand the, the key elements of what the native people have to bring to humanity in their understanding of the, of, the, of the nature of the universe and in their way of life. And so that's just something that's evolving right now in the consciousness of humanity. See, I feel basically that it hasn't been time for the heart on the planet. We've had to go through a whole series of extraordinarily, basically horrible experiences to get to a place where we are where it's time to honor the heart and honor the the loving nature of the universe. And we're just getting there now as things are falling apart, all these systems that we've been so dependent on and so trusting in that have been out of alignment with with truth, in my opinion, as they start to collapse, we're we're thrown back onto our own knowing and onto uh, an understanding of the... The, the beauty of what is carried in the in the native knowing and in the native heart
1: and you know and I, I agree with that connie and i I think that before we can move on to healing humanity as a whole, uh, we have to look at the the wounds that uh, were dealt to the native people, which we call soul wounds, and before you can heal a soul wound you have to first acknowledge its existence and then work on it from there. Maria, you had a comment.
2: I I just had a question, Connie. Um, When uh, Percival Baxter was acquiring the lands that then became um, Baxter State Park, what was the time frame that he was doing that in? I'm all about historical context, as you know.
0: (laughs) Well, um, I it was really uh, i see i'm not about history uh, <laughs> i'm about the future um but he he was governor from 1921 to 1924 i believe mm-hmm. and so it was after that that he started um uh, amassing the land and it took him 30 years before i believe it was 30 um, 32 30 years before he uh, actually acquired the mountain um and um, and then I think he gave his last, it was in the, even in the, up into the 60s, that he gave his last um, um, beque- bequest to the people of Maine.
2: I'm just um, thinking of Donna's comments about the lack of recognition and then trying to think of the time frame in which he was acquiring this land. And uh, that lack of recognition still comes pretty tough today, and I think that we've come a long way. Uh, since that time, and um, so, I think that I I would say that I look to the future as well. I'm I am a historian. Um, I think that you find a lot of um, understanding and looking at the historical context. It's so it's so easy and convenient for us to sit in in the present and point fingers at the past. But in order to really understand. Uh, if we take ourselves back into that historical context, in the early 1900s, I mean, Native Americans were just um, in 1924 considered citizens of the United States. Uh, I think that the Penobscot population was at an all-time low, if I'm not uh, if I'm not uh, incorrect in saying so, at the late 1700s, beginning of the 1800s. So. Um, you know at this point in time we're about 2600 strong and we still fight for um the recognition um, that is still lacking but it's coming and but it's just a slow it's a slow uh process but, but you
1: know i mean it's not only recognition but it's equality uh you know in in it's just not it's not human rights it's uh it's economic equality mm-hmm. and that's what everything all boils down to nowadays is is uh is the economics. But I think that there has to be a thorough uh, look at the history, because without that understanding of the history, we're going to keep on repeating that.
0: Well, we're going to keep on repeating it if we stay in the same consciousness. See, um, uh, Albert Einstein said, no problem was ever solved in the same consciousness in which it was created. If we stay in the same consciousness, we're just going to be repeating and repeating and repeating. And what I believe is that in in the native knowing, I see I believe that the true gift of the native people is is their heart, is their spirit, is their understanding of the nature of the universe, the loving nature of the universe. that's in the essence of their um, of the of the cosmology of the native people and and this, the, the, the transcendentalists that conquered saw this as well, and so did John Lennon, and so did Jesus, and so, do, you know, there's a lot of people who have, um, have had access to this, this larger reality, and, and 500 Indian nations and, and other indigenous peoples around the world who have entire cultures um, based on this knowledge and this connection to this, this um, loving universe. Um, uh, is, is a key factor in, in coming to understand what it is they know, what it is you, your people know. I don't think it's about land, you know, who owns the land at this point, you know, because no one owns the land.
1: No, it's not about who owns the land. What it's about is uh, acknowledgement of the past. And acknowledge, you know, yeah. I'm not saying live there. I'm yeah. saying look at it, own it. And then move on to something uh greater and uh, with more compassion and that's when you lay your groundwork for trust and that's when uh humanity is is going to be uh reach the goal of, of uh of peace and, and, and unity. Mm-hmm. But I think that's gotta come first and um in again in reading some of the material on the internet I, I find that uh uh Andrew was a uh a sufi is he still a sufi um he, he
0: no he's not a, a practicing sufi but he um... but,
1: but i do you know i, I have a friend in uh, uh walnut grove california who's uh, been a sufi in into sufi reoriented for something like 40 years and uh you know she talks about the uh, the uh, humanity and in in, uh, in in america actually being the center of the uh, reuniting of of uh, of this sort of consciousness, and you know, people will all be together, and we'll all love each other, and you know. And sometimes I have a hard time to to uh, to believe that. But I, I, you know, and I know you're a futurist, so uh, hopefully you both are, are right.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a tough it's tough stuff you know getting beyond the past is tough stuff uh, you know and and all we can do is go into our hearts and and heal and and bring bring that that those wounds to the surface where they can go into the light and where we can let them go and and go forward in in the beauty that's in our hearts and in the love that's in our hearts for 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 all people and all things and and to me that um that gift of the native people, that gift of that understanding, that's why I've been, you know, working with Arnie Neptune um, all these years to to share that that knowledge of the, the, the love in the universe for all people, and um, so that's that's all what I've been doing throughout for the past twenty years. Is any native people that that want to step forward and can step forward beyond those wounds. And go forward into the universal nature of what of what the native people know and and um, are caring for humanity. Um, those people are people that I've been been bringing forth so that they can can share that with 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 all people.
2: I've been um, it, it's funny Donna and I were, were talking on the way down a little bit about um, you know Sufism and uh, these different uh, religious spiritual philosophies. And I've been, probably for the past three or four years, uh, really exploring um, some of these religious philosophies. And I find that um, when you peel back all the layers of the onion, that when you get down to the core, we're all pretty much talking about the same thing. Exactly. And that Native spirituality is um, something that is probably... um, as close as we can get to the um, the foundation of many, many, many uh, spiritual philosophies. Absolutely. So uh, I find it all very intriguing. Jonna looks like she wants to jump out of her no. seat and say something. No, no you're, Gloria, all set? <laughs> you're
0: all set. <laughs> well, I totally ag- ag- agree, Maria, and, and that's why it's, it's, it's a universal knowing that we all have in our hearts. And and I believe that the, the native people have have kept a connection to it for all of humanity that has gone a- away in, in a in in the Western mind, in the in the um, in the scientific paradigm. We've we've been led away from our true connection, mm-hmm. and 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 the quantum science is that quantum physics is now coming on board to take that Western mind and show it that the native cosmology, the native understanding, is truth.
2: Right. And I yes. um, I have a a spoken word CD from John Trudell. It's called uh, J T DNA, and it's really interesting. A portion of it that he talks about uh, where we get removed. Um, sort of where we went astray is when we have developed this uh, notion of a a male, you know, a white male sitting in the clouds, uh, removed from the earth, whereas before that concept came in, we were all uh, honoring the earth, honoring all the uh, creatures on the earth and living harmoniously as best we could, of course, you know. Uh, So... um,
1: well, I mean, and then the the gender issues Is all <laughs> all come into play, you know, throughout through the yeah.
2: So, in in my my path of reading along this topic for the past three or four years, I I started reading some Carlos Castaneda. Have you ever read Carlos Castaneda? Yes. Uh, well, there was this one chapter that was really interesting in one of his books, and he talked about uh, petty tyrants. And um, he, talk, he said that, you know, when you have situations in your life, when, when people are constantly confronted with challenges and situations that are challenging to them, that that's an opportunity to practice transcending those um, petty and mundane Yes, we have plenty realities. of that opportunity, right? <laughs> and that's what I was thinking. I said, "Gosh, yeah. we don't—we're not lacking those opportunities. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly.
1: we should consider
2: ourselves uh, honored <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> to have all these opportunities all to these, transcend, all these learning experiences. Yeah.
1: Absolutely,
2: yeah, yeah so.
0: absolutely. And 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 you know, as, as we're getting close to our hour, I, I just wanted to, to throw in that that um, that this transcendence." can lead us to creating a country that was, was based on a vision that, that we would do that, that we would move into the, our universal higher conscience and, and, and actually have a democracy, have a, have a country that um, would, would bring these elements of, of freedom and liberty and justice for all you know, on an equal basis. You know? and we, we haven't done that yet. How are we going to do it? And, um, and I believe that, the, that the, the Native people, the association with the Native people, was a, um, a, a, a key in the evolution of the American mind from, from the outset. And um, so I, I think that, that that transcendence that we all get beyond those petty tyrants that have, um, have prevented us from, from moving into the, the vision and the dream of what uh america is is promised it would bring to the to the whole world that um that that's that that's an exciting um
1: possibility right and and I think the way that that that's done is you know some people such as myself like to uh stir up things cause cause waves of problems and, and other people, uh, such as yourself, um, are out there with the with the higher on the higher plane and the higher uh, thought level. So eventually, uh, we may be on the same path. Absolutely,
0: uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, every, every maybe you can soul. meet halfway. <laughs> every, we all desire for our children, for ourselves, you know, the highest good, and and it's how are we going to get there? And so I think that that's the challenge. How do we actualize the, 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 what's in the indigenous cosmology, what's in America's freedom documents, what's in the great law of the Iroquois, what's in all these things that we haven't lived yet in our daily lives? How do we become that? And that's,
1: that's the challenge. Hmm. No, I just found, uh, you probably remember this article, it's... it's uh It's entitled, Marlowe and Bailey Present Uplifting Worldview. It's on the internet. And uh, the the, uh, little paragraph that stands out to me, uh, it says, uh, Bailey said, okay, the the quote is, the Sufis, the mystics, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, uh, Rushis, the prophets, the indigenous shamans have all described a reality beyond the confines of traditional science. Now, with a shift in consciousness, a deepening of understanding, we have the tools to reinvent our world. Yahoo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Andrew.
0: <laughs> so, that's what our lives are all about. And that's what we, we've got a, this institute at Sedona out here where we have each room is dedicated to a different tribe of, of people that we spend extensive well, time where's
1: with. Your, where's your uh, Penobscot room?
0: Our Penobscot room. <laughs> well, we only have five rooms, <laughs> but we have—I have, I have an, an album of the the Wabanaki um, that was part of our Rhythms of Creation photography exhibit that toured around Maine uh, and um, U.S. and Mexico. Um, so but, the, but I that, think that the people would... of the Dawn are key players, Donna. Yeah, the yeah absolutely. Kingpins, and I—I I think that um, just just all you folks just working at. Ad- you know, coming to terms with the past and tr- transcending that those those tyrants that have got us all locked into separation. Um, let us go forward and, and bring those gifts of the of the people of the dawn. You know, the, the this is the that's the place where the light first comes to this continent. You know, so it's it's your your job, the job of the people of the Eastern Door, to um, to bring that light. To the United States, to America, and to all of humanity.
2: You got, so got work to do.
0: You got work to do, kids.
2: I'm tired just thinking about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you've got that mountain, see, um, mm. Katahdin, that sacred mountain. I believe is a is a transmitter of of truth energy. Mm. You know, everyone or most people who go on that mountain have have an experience. You don't have to be a native people person to have an experience on that mountain. I mean, the People of the world who, who honor that mountain as a sacred mountain are all colors of people. Uh, they've stepped on it on its, and on its um, um, sides.
2: I agree. There's something very mystical about that mountain.
0: So go to that mountain and get that strength to, um, to, to do that, to, to, to come forward with the beauty that's in your hearts and, and the love in, that's in your knowing and in your cosmology and, and bring that to, to humanity. That's, um, that's the challenge. And then humanity, once they recognize that, see, now as we, this evolution of consciousness is happening and, and it's getting closer to the time when the, the human race is going to open its heart and, and walk in a, a higher frequency, is what we deal with in our frequency, thing, people will understand that the Native people are to be honored and put you in an exalted position you know right you've, you've gone through the the, the the dark times and and now it's time for the native and all indigenous people to be to come to the table as as honored guests with uh, keys to the future and keys to true p- peace freedom and
1: liberty well I, I think that um, we really don't need to be exalted I think why not I think we just need to be looked at as equal. Yeah, exactly. And I think Donna, we I all, you. I think we all need to sit down at our table uh, and have no guests. Well, it'll all be the same table. We'll yeah, all exactly, be family.
0: Exactly, Donna. That's it, man, um. woman.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for that
1: clarification. Yeah, exactly. Uh. That's it.
0: We all sit down at a common table and share our gifts.
2: Well, we didn't solve all the the problems of America in the future. I guess we probably needed a couple more hours to do that.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I think uh, I think we'll probably have other because we didn't cover you no. know the future. It's I think we would like to to talk about some of those things too, um, and maybe we'll uh, we'll schedule a time uh, to do that because this hour went very quickly. Yeah,
0: let's do that. Let's keep talking. Let's let's. Um Cogitate on what we've talked about today. See if you get any feedback from your people who are tuning in, and uh, let's keep the, the conversation going.
1: Well, I agree. I, I think it's uh, it's uh, very important. Uh, but uh, you know what intrigues me, um, Connie, is your your retreat, your resort. I you use that as a a workshop uh, for seminars and.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well we hope to. What what happens is see, I thought because of this understanding that this was the next step for humanity that, that everybody would flock here and everything would be great. Well, it didn't happen. You know, build it and they will come and it hasn't happened yet. And in fact we're um we're right now in um in bankruptcy and foreclosure and battling big bank fraud and and applying the trust frequency to in the bankruptcy courts and uh, all kinds of things, so we didn't touch on any of that.
2: You got your own petty tyrants. It we sounds like we got our like. own petty
0: tyrants, and and uh, and we, we say we're in trust training because we no. have we have we're, we have no money and we have no lawyers and we're we're fighting um, big bank fraud and we're on the bleeding edge. So, but we're still open for business and we're we're still operating, but um, we, we, we've. Uh, gotten sidetracked a bit, but, but who knows if it's a sidetrack because it's actually putting us right through the ringer into total trust. I mean, that's all we can do because it's way huger than anything our little pea brains could um, figure out and, and handle.
1: <laughs> well, they do say what doesn't kill us, uh, makes, us stronger. makes us stronger. Yeah, <laughs> and, exactly.
0: So, so we'll see, but, but uh, America was founded by people who, walked into this trust frequency and and that's what what we're we're being forced to do you know george washington i'm was thinking of george washington sitting on the shores of the of the of the delaware you know he wasn't having any fun either waiting over there with the hessian army sitting on the other side of the delaware waiting for it to freeze so they could come and take him and his little ragtag army of fishermen and and farmers but he um he had a plan and he walked into trust and he walked over there and he you know crossed the delaware with his boats and captured the Hessian army. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's possible. Miracles are possible in the in the trust frequency. So um, we, we're, we'll get to see how it plays out in our lives.
2: Um, just before we close, I wanted to mention while we're on the topic of Thoreau and the Wabanakis, that the um, Thoreau Wabanaki Trail Festival is happening in Greenville this weekend. so oh, it is? Uh, yes, I just heard that yesterday, so oh, I didn't wow. have a whole lot of information, but if anyone's interested in that, you can certainly Google it, the Thoreau Wabanaki Trail Festival. And I would like to say that it, this quote from Maya,
1: Maya Angel, I really like a lot. I like Maya. And uh, and she says, uh, it, and I, I kind of go by this, and it says, uh, it's time to stop wearing a catcher's mitt on both hands we must throw uh, something back every once in a while. So uh, I kind of like to throw things back. Yeah. If you haven't noticed that. <laughs> yeah. <Interesting. laughs> and, uh, you know, we, uh, we want, as, as tribes and, and as indigenous people, we want visibility, we want recognition, we want respect, we want equality. Uh, and we don't think that's too much to ask in this land of the free. Yeah. Uh, indigenous rights, I think, must be recognized. Give us, give us that, um, and it's only then that we can all uh, start moving to, into oneness and uh, and have some peace and, and freedom. And go ahead, uh, you want to say something? Yeah, I just want to say, Donna,
0: that, that, that those indigenous rights are all people's rights. That 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 right now, what's being usurped is human rights in this country and and i think the only way we're going to to get all of our rights back is is to to come together and 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 speak for for universal truths and and all those things that are in the declaration of independence you know um the self-evident universal truth that all people deserve
1: right and i I do think that the uh, the u.n declaration on indigenous rights needs to be approved and uh, the fiasco with the Haudenosaunee passports uh, this past week sort of speaks to that. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, appreciate it, Connie.
0: Yeah, well, it's wonderful to, to be with you guys, and I, and I look forward to further conversations.
2: Right. Take care, Connie. Okay, Maria. You.
1: I'm your host, Donna Loring, and you've been listening to Wabanaki Windows. The music for our show is by Rolf Richter, a track called Little Eagles from his new CD, Dreamwalk. I want to thank my co-host, Maria Girard, director of the Penobscot Nation Cultural Center, and our special guest, Connie Baxter Marlowe, and our engineer, Amy Brown. Please join us next month for another Webinacki Windows.